Welcome to the podcast for Salem Baptist Church, where the senior pastor is Reverend Dr. Selwyn Q. Bacchus. Salem is located at 3131 Lake Street in Omaha, Nebraska, 68111. This podcast has been created as a mobile companion to your engagement with Salem. Whether you use it to listen to a service you are unable to attend or to revisit a sermon, we pray that this podcast will serve as a source of motivation and connection to a word-centered and spirit-led church that cares about your journey. Be sure to turn on your alerts as we deliver a variety of content to you. Don't miss out on church services, interactive Bible studies, and special interviews all here on Salem's podcast. Share the podcast with a friend or family member. Listen as you have your morning coffee, daily exercise, or travel to work. No matter when you are listening, we pray this episode blesses you. my head with dread and I need you. 
Like enemies encamped, shrouded in the dark, I can feel the fascination of too many temptations reaching for my heart. So I need you to hear me. For I know your ears are attentive to the righteous, and I know that your ways are certain. Even when my worries would trample me to dust, still, I know you are good. Your hand is just. So come now, be the salvation for my sins. Help me to begin again, that you would mend this trend of hopelessness. God, deliver me in my brokenness. I can feel your presence, even now in the ugly, in the mess that has been made. You surround me with your benevolence. Yes, your love is on display, and I can see it. Carving roads through the struggles and the troubles, past temptations and devices that seek to choke me out. So come fear, come failure, come opposition or doubt. Jesus, you are my deliverance. Your grace is sufficient. Trusting you is my only way. Now I turn my mind to dwell on your truth. Curate the condition of my heart to manifest joy. Be my living proof. Subdue the haters. Quell the voices inside. Transform me, Lord. Extinguish my pride. You've won the battle. I trust in your plans. Yes, God. I surrender all my worries, my woes, and my demands into your eternally capable hands. What's going on, church family? As many of you know, this What a fantastic year. And hey, we just want to celebrate. We want to celebrate all year long. And one of the ways that we want to celebrate is by doing what we've always done, and that's through prayer. We want to pray, pray, and pray. Prayer is so instrumental in the life of every believer in Jesus Christ. I'm reminded by a quote from one of the most famous preachers of all time, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, and he says this. He says, I'd rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. And that's how important prayer is in the life of every believer. So friends, we want to specifically invite you out to our monthly prayer service. It's called the 99 and a half won't do, we need 100. It's going to happen this month, March 30th at 6.30 p.m. You can join in by Zoom or you can just call in. But we need everyone there. Let's get more than 100 people and let's celebrate through prayer of all what God has done for us and what he'll continually do for us. And also, friends, let's make sure everyone comes. So I'm calling out all youth, young adults, parents who may need to grab some collars, tuck some shirts. But let's, uh, let's all join in and join this prayer service and truly be thankful in prayer for all that God has done for us. Be blessed, church family. Thanks.
Good morning, Salem. Welcome to worship. Those of you here in the sanctuary and also those of you there in the virtual sanctuary. This morning is a great day to praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Psalms 100 says this, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you again for the opportunity to worship you today. And we pray that we lift your name on high and celebrate you because you deserve it. Let nothing stand in our way of giving you our best praise. And this we pray in Jesus' name. And let everyone say amen, amen, and amen. Join us as we continue in praise and worship. Bless the Lord, all oh my soul, and all that is with me. Bless his holy name. God's been good. Has he been good to you? Okay, help us with this song. Bless the Lord, oh my soul.
anything for you, you need to bless the Lord. Bless his name. Bless his name. He's done anything. He woke you up this morning. He started you on your way. He brought you to the house of the Lord. So you ought to bless him. Bless the Lord because he's worthy and he's good. He's good and greatly to be praised. Yes, come on, put your hands together and let's give the Lord a hand clap. All right. Come on and clap those hands. too good. We got to praise him. We got to lift him up. Everybody say bless.
blessed in the city. We are blessed in the field. We are blessed when we come and when we go. It is time for prayer here in the house of Salem. If you're here and you believe God can do anything but fail, we're going to ask that you stand to your feet as we prepare our hearts and minds for prayer. And as you stand, be mindful of all of our elected officials, those serving at the federal, state, and local level, and all of our military personnel. Those that stand in the need of additional prayer this week, Sister Arlette Brooks, Sister Michelle Bowles, Sister Acra Cooper, Acra Cooper, Sister Bobby Daly, Evangelist Elizabeth Davidson, Sister Barbara Hawthorne, Sister Elizabeth Hubbard, Sister Valeria Middlebrook, Sister Lauren Prince, and Brother Lawrence Wallington. Then there are those that stand in the need of prayer due to the loss of a loved one, Deacon Verdell Temple, and the loss of his sister-in-law, Sharon Rose Davis, Sister Sharon and Donna Reed, and the loss of their brother, Raymond Reed. Brother Rick and Sister Barbara Bell, and the loss of her sister, Dr. Buton Roberts. Brother Mike Hardiman, uh, will be funeralized later on this week. Sister Terry Jackson Miller and Bobby Jackson Moore in the loss of their brother, James Jimmy Jackson. And Sister Dortha Griffin Yarborough in the loss of her husband, Elijah Yarborough. We will now be led to the throne of grace and prayer this morning by Minister Brandon Whitaker. Let us go before the Lord together. Lord, again, we are so thankful for the privilege of being able to come before you directly, for the privilege of prayer for the privilege to talk to the creator of the universe, for the privilege to come before the one who spoke the world into existence out of nothing, for the privilege of coming before the almighty God. And Lord, we come before you with thanksgiving and with praise and bowing down before you because you are sovereign, you're majestic, you're worthy. We thank you for the privilege of being able to put all of our burdens and lay them down before you at the foot of the cross. We thank you that you went to the cross because you didn't have to. But Lord, we're thankful that you didn't stay there, but you rose with all power in your hand and that you loved us. And while we were yet sinners, you died for us and that we have ultimate victory in you. And so we thank you for that this morning. We thank you for that every day. We thank you for grace and mercy that's fresh every day. We thank you for the grace that dropped in the name of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago when you dwelt among us. Lord, continue to help us to hear your voice. Continue to help us to lift your name on high. Continue to help us to follow your lead, your direction, your word. We're just thankful that in all that's going on in the world that we're able to gather here, whether virtually or physically, collectively, to praise and worship you give you the praise that you deserve. 
it is truly a privilege because we are created to worship you. And so we thank you for that today, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done for us and all that you will continually do. And if you did nothing else, you'd still be deserving of all the praise, all the honor, all the glory, all the worship. Lord, we, we thank you for another day to worship you. We ask that you would use Pastor Moore this morning and speak through him, touch our hearts, embed your word in our hearts today and help us to hear from you as we know we will. Lord, we also want to lift up the prayer we list. We want to list up all those that have burdens, all those that have ones that are bereaved, all those that simply need prayer. Lord, bless them and keep them. Continue to watch over them. Help your church, your people, your called out ones to reach out and touch them and bless them and comfort them. We just ask that you would continually be with them. Lord, help us to rejoice with those who need rejoicing and also mourn with those that mourn. And Lord, we're all in the need of prayer. But help us to continue to honor those that are especially in the need of prayer and have asked to be prayed for. We ask that you would be with them and bless them as the great physician. Lord, we praise you in your sovereignty, your triunity, and your majesty. Continue to bless this worship service. And we just ask you to continue to bless us as we praise your name. All these things we pray in the Lord Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Salem, this is Pastor Selwyn Q. Backus, pastor of the Salem Baptist Church here in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm your pastor, praise the Lord. Uh, I want to come to you today. I'm not here uh, in Omaha. I'm actually in Chicago, Illinois, uh, celebrating my brother, Pastor Reginald Backus' 15th uh, pastoral anniversary at the Friendship Baptist Church in the Chicago, Illinois. I couldn't miss this opportunity to celebrate this milestone uh, with my brother in the ministry and my biological brother. Uh, but I wanted to just take a moment, uh, since it is our season Saints Sunday, uh, to celebrate you and to thank you for all that you've done and the great uh, foundation that you've laid uh, for the Salem Baptist Church. Uh, the truth is we're going to be celebrating 100 years of ministry, our centennial celebration, on April 24th of this year. And our seasoned saints have enabled us through the power and guidance of the Lord to make it to our centennial celebration. And so we want to thank you uh, for hanging in there, for the, your faith and trust in the Lord. We want to thank you for the wisdom that you've shared with us, for the love you've shown us, and for the directions you've given us. And so to our seasoned saints, we want to let you know we applaud you, we appreciate you, we love you deeply, and we're so grateful for you. Happy Season Saints Sunday from Pastor Selwyn Q. Beckers. God bless you. I am grateful to be, have been loved and to be loved now and to be able to love because that liberates. Love liberates. It doesn't just hold. That's ego. Love liberates. I've had rainbows in my clouds. And the thing to do, it seems to me, is to prepare yourself so that you can be a rainbow in somebody else's cloud. Somebody who may not look like you, 
may not call God the same name you call God, if they call God at all. You see? And may not eat the same dishes prepared the way you do. May not dance your dances, speak your language, but be a blessing to somebody. You know what's right. Just do right. You don't really have to ask anybody. The truth is, right may not be expedient. It may not be profitable. But it will satisfy your soul. You see, love liberates. It doesn't bind. Love says, I love you. I love you if you're in China. I love you if you're across town. I love you if you're in Harlem. I love you. I would like to be near you. I'd like to have your arms around me. I'd like to hear your voice in my ear. But that's not possible now. So I love you. Go. to all of our senior saints on today as we celebrate you. We just have just a few announcements for you. We are so happy on today that our youth church will officially kick off today at noon. Amen. With our own Minister Brandon Whitaker, that service will be virtual uh, today at noon. You should have already received the link for that. Also, youth Bible study will start back up on Wednesday, March the 23rd at 6.30 p.m., and that will be held weekly. Uh, you should also receive a link for that for those who are participating. Truly, Salem, God has been good to Salem as we prepare to celebrate 100 years of ministry here at the Salem Baptist Church, as you've already heard in the announcements from our pastor on April 24th. Actually, starting April 17th, there is going to be a week of celebration culminating on April 24th with our church anniversary. And we are so looking forward to what God has in store for us as we prepare to celebrate 100 years of ministry. With that, we are putting together a souvenir book. And the uh, deadline for that is fast approaching. So if you would like to participate, if you'd like to place an ad or a patron ad or a full page ad, this is the week to do it as the deadline is Tuesday, March the 15th as we need sufficient time to put the book together. So we encourage you to make sure you don't miss this monumental occasion and participate in our centennial celebration. As well, Pastor has been asking each of us to make a centennial pledge as we prepare to celebrate our anniversary. There's still time to do that. Uh, you may do so by filling out your pledge card that you received in the mail, or you may go online at salembc.org and complete that pledge card, and you will have until April 24th to meet that commitment. Amen? We thank you for your continued support of your tithes and offering. We know that a tithe is simply 10% of what we earn, and over and above our tithe, we are to give sacrificially to the kingdom and to the work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There are several ways in which you can give your tithes and offering. You can mail your tithes and offerings in to the Salem Baptist Church at 3131 Lake Street, 
Omaha, Nebraska, 68111. You may drop your tithe and offering off at the church Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. You may also use one of our electronic platforms, PayPal, Givelify, Venmo, or Cash App. Or feel free to text your giving in to 402-543-3316. Again, that's 402-543-3316. For those of you who are present in the sanctuary on today, there will be persons who will be ready to receive your offering as you exit the sanctuary at the end of worship service on today. We repeat this affirmation each week about what we believe about giving here to Salem Baptist Church. So we're going to ask that you will lift your offering envelopes and repeat after me. We plant good seed and good soil. And we will receive God's prosperity for our lives. We plant good seed and good soil. And we will receive God's prosperity for our lives. And the people of God said, praise the Lord. We will now continue in worship with our praise and worship music ministry. God bless you.
blessings to all of our senior saints on today and um, when pastor uh, alerted me that I would be preaching on today I was about to do a sermon on senior saints and I was going to use as a sermon reference I was young and now I'm old but I've not seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread and I was going to talk about the wisdom that comes from living not only chronologically but living a life for the Lord and we were going to admonish all of the young folk that it's not all right to push us out of the way, but it is okay to ask us to move over and give you some room at the table, all right? Amen? But for today, but for today, but for today, there is a word from the Lord found in the gospel according to Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter 17. We're going to be reading the first four verses but you need to read verses 1 through 21 uh, as we use that for our sermon uh, subject on today. And the first, 17, the first four verses says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. And if you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Going to use today as a sermon subject, what did they learn? What did they learn? Uh, also, I promised our Bible study class that uh, one of these Sundays we're going to have Bible study uh, while you're here in worship. And so today, if you don't mind, I'm going to give you a little study and a little assignment to do as you hear what God has to say to you on today. And so uh, since the story of creation Humanity has lived with an Achilles heel and a thorn in its flesh when it comes to education, teaching, and learning. Adam and Eve had learning deficiencies when, which led them to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. By eating from the tree, their eyes were opened, and when 
Their eyes were opened. They failed God's total obedience test, resulting in them being placed outside the Garden of Eden. Moses, Israel's fear, fearless leader, forfeited his opportunity to enter the promised land because he failed God's leadership obedience test. God told Moses to speak to a rock so that the Israelites could get water while making their way to the promised land. And out of frustration, Moses struck the rock instead. David, Israel's most valiant warrior, flunked God's personal integrity test by spying on Bathsheba while she was bathing. This led to the death of Bathsheba's husband Uriah and her firstborn child from David. Samson had a love Jones for Delilah and because he couldn't separate his relationship with God from his love affair with Delilah, he failed God's trust test, causing him to lose Delilah and ultimately his own life. You see, Samson was told to never reveal the source of his strength, but because he shared the source of his strength with Delilah, God's favor was removed from him, making him taking him from being an ordinary man to making him, taking him from being a man with superordinary power to be a man with ordinary strength. And so from the days of the Bible to the lives we live on today, education, teaching, and learning have been some of the ways and keys to success in life. But what did we learn from attending morning worship, Sunday school, Bible study, prayer meeting, and VBS? What have we learned from preschool to earning terminal degrees and from the halls of academia to the school of hard knocks and beyond? When we look at the condition of our families and our communities, inquiring minds want to know what <clears throat> have we learned? And so if education, teaching, and learning go together, why do so many people take the time to get educated but don't come away with enough learning to improve to improve the quality of their lives if education teaching and learning go together why don't people love their neighbor as themselves you see in our text for today we see what happens when education and teaching takes place but the people fail to learn on back 
back-to-back occasions, we see education and teaching, but we don't see any learning. And while many people miss it when they read it, Jesus' disapproval of the disciples' lack of learning is right there in the text. And again, I ask, what did they learn? And so for the time that's ours on today, let me make the case for what and why they should have learned. In Matthew 4, 18, 20, it says, And Jesus walked by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men and women. They immediately left their nets and followed him, as did the other ten disciples. Then when we get to Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, from Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 and 20, to Matthew 10, uh, verse 1, it says, And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. And so between Matthew 4 and 20 and the end of chapter 9, the disciples were with Jesus as he taught and preached and healed practically 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And when you add it all up, beginning with chapter 4 through the end of chapter 16, Jesus continued to teach and preach and heal and answer the disciples' questions. But what did they learn? Not much. Let's be clear, it's a sad day in heaven when the disciples of the Lord walk with Jesus and not learn anything from him. Just like it's a sad day on earth when God's people come to church week in and week out and don't learn anything from God's word to change the quality of their lives. Watch this. Toward the end of chapter 16, Jesus predicts his death and had to set the disciples straight for questioning God's plan of salvation. Verses 22 and 23 of chapter 16 says, Then Peter took him, Jesus, aside and began to rebuke him, saying, For be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men and women. Now, if I'm not mistaken, this level of reprimand only happens when someone is functioning well beneath their ability and those in the know know all about it. Uh, 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 it 
It's sad for people uh, to try to fake it, uh, trying to make it when the folk they're faking it with already know they don't know what they think they know. And so just to make sure that the other disciples didn't assume that they were safe, Jesus goes on to explain what was required for them uh, 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 after, if they want to come after him. Jesus says to be where he is, they must deny themselves, take up a cross, and follow him which he would ultimately do for the whole wide world 12 days later according to the text. I'm going somewhere. Don't fall asleep. You're going to miss it. Now this brings, I'm making the case for why they should have learned what they thought they knew. This brings us to chapter 17, which is historically re referred to as the transfiguration of the Lord. And to add context to the timeline, the transfiguration took place six days after the disciples were set straight by Jesus at the end of chapter 16. It was then that Jesus takes Peter, James, and John to a high mountain by themselves where he was transfigured before their very eyes to help them understand his prediction of his death. In case you're wondering, the question still remains, but what did they learn? They wanted to tell Jesus what was not going to happen, but Jesus says, since you didn't learn nothing, let me take you to a place, you know, you praise in public and you reprimand in private. Jesus took them up to a high mountain, to a private place, and, and, and he made it clear as to what he was trying to get them to know. He wanted them to know, yes, I'm going to die, and yes, I need you to stand tall when I'm gone. Some of y'all will get that when you get home. And as we dig deeper into the text for today, the transfiguration of Jesus revealed four things that the disciples should have learned. First, uh, it, was, it was to reveal the glory of his person. As far as the historical biblical record is concerned, this was the only time Jesus revealed his divine glory in this way while he was on earth. In other words, Jesus had to reveal his divinity to the disciples, hoping they would understand. And so the word transfigured gives us our English word metamorphosis. And a metamorphosis is a change on the outside that comes from something working on the inside. It's like a caterpillar who builds a cocoon and later emerges as a butterfly. It's due to the process 
of a metamorphosis. And so the Lord's glory was reflected from something on the outside, but radiated from something deep down on the inside of him. The change the disciples witnessed on the outside of Jesus came from something radiating on the inside, allowing his divinity to shine forth, causing the disciples to lose their minds. But what did they learn? Secondly, the transfiguration revealed the glory of his kingdom. You see, when Jesus finished teaching the disciples about cross-bearing, he promised that some of them would see the Son of Man coming in his glory. And so Jesus selected Peter, James, and John as witnesses to the event. In doing so, Jesus was teaching them that in order to have victory over death, he must surrender unto death in order to be glorified in death. But what did they learn? And we also have the same situation. Before we can claim victory over death, all of us are going to have to surrender to death in order for God to glorify us in death and in our resurrection. The third thing the transfiguration revealed uh, was the glory of his cross. The disciples had to learn that suffering and glory go together. Suffering and glory go together. Remember, Peter opposed Jesus going to Jerusalem to die. So Jesus had to teach him that apart from his suffering and death, there could be no glory. And the same applies to us on today, because unless we sacrifice and suffer for the sake of Jesus Christ individually and as the church, we won't be able to grow spiritually and we'll miss precious opportunities to see the glory of God in the land of the living. And so it's quiet in here. Maybe you're trying to learn something. And so while Jesus was transfigured and Moses and Elijah talked with him about his exodus from Jerusalem, you see, the suffering and death of Jesus would not be an accident but an accomplishment. And so for the believer in Christ, death is not a one-way street to oblivion. It's an exodus, a release from the bondage of this life into the glorious liberation and freedom of the life in heaven because Jesus died and paid the price of sin and death on the cross. As children of the Most High God, we have been redeemed, purchased, and set free. But do we believe it? Finally, the transfiguration revealed the glory of his submission. And no matter how hard Peter tried, 
He couldn't understand why Jesus would submit to evil men and women and willingly suffer. And in a sense, the transfiguration of God was God's way of teaching Peter that Jesus is glorified when we deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. And so as Jesus stood there in all of his splendor and glory, he was showing Peter, James, and John that surrender always leads to glory. First the suffering, then the glory. First the cross, and then the crown. You can't shout in the name of Jesus if you don't have something to shout about. You can't say glory, hallelujah, if the Lord has not done something for you that you couldn't do for yourself. You couldn't pick them up and put them down if you hadn't been sick and couldn't get well and the doctor had written you off. But somehow, I mean somehow, Jesus gave you a new lease on life and you began to live like you've never lived before. They looked for the cancer. The cancer was gone. They looked at a failing heart, but the heart was beating strong. I'm telling you, you have to suffer before the glory if you want to see and be what God has called you to be. And so one should begin to wonder, where did Peter, James, and John go wrong? How could they walk with Jesus and not learn from Jesus? Well, according to verses 3 through 6, uh, the Bible says, And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared talking to them, talking with him, Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while, and while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. There it is. Peter, James, and John didn't understand the meaning of the transfiguration, and they were so caught up with the glory of Jesus, they forgot about the suffering. They were so excited to see Moses and Elijah until they wanted to stay on the mountain top. And as Peter was making his case to stay, not to mention neglecting the other disciples, the the voice of God cut him off as if to say, shut up. Learn something. After all the time you've been spending walking with Jesus, you hadn't learned anything. Jesus is my beloved son. You need to stop talking so much and begin listening to him. 
not Lottie, Dottie, and everybody, but you need to listen to him. And the only way we gonna listen to him is through his word. And so the Bible says that afterward, they were afraid because they realized that they were out of order in suggesting that they stay on the mountain. And they were out of order because they ain't learned nothing. And they didn't know nothing. And they've been walking with him all his life for the last three years. But it doesn't end there with Peter, James, and John. Because as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus catches the other disciples playing church like so many people are doing on today. Playing church? How can that be? These were the very disciples that Jesus chose to teach. Surely they understood the ramifications of walking with Jesus and putting into practice the things they were taught. But they didn't. Even though Jesus gave them the power to cast out demons, heal the sick, and cure diseases, when the opportunity presented itself, they couldn't do it. And so it is with the church on today. Too many people all over the country are seeking the glory of the Lord with no suffering to show for it. And so according to the text, while Peter, James, and John failed God's revelation test on the mountain, the other nine disciples failed God's you've got the power test down in the valley when they didn't know how to access the power that Jesus had given them back in chapter 10. Now, he gave them power in chapter 10, and in chapter 17, they didn't even know how to use it. Don't forget, Jesus called them to be his disciples in chapter 4. He gave them power to cast out demons, heal the sick, and cure diseases in chapter 10. And by the time we get to chapter 17, they couldn't heal a boy who was possessed by a demon. So what did they learn? Y'all missed it. Let me say it this way. From the time Jesus called the disciples and promised to make them fishers of men and women, nearly three years had elapsed. You still missed it. Let me say it like this, final chance. At the time of the transfiguration of Jesus and the failure to heal the demon-possessed boy, Jesus only had six days left on earth before he would die on Calvary's cross. And so over a three-year period, the only thing Jesus gave his disciples to do, he also gave them the power to get it done. Cast out demons, heal the sick, and cure diseases. But they didn't do it. And so when the time came for them to act on the power of God, they couldn't do it.
And so in utter desperation, when the boy's father saw Jesus, the Bible says, he ran to him saying, Lord, verses 15 through 28, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out. So Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. The disciples had the power for possibly over two years and failed to use it because they didn't believe that they had it. The church has the power to heal but won't use the power because too many members don't believe they can. The disciples seem like dismal failures after the experiences of the transfiguration and the demon possession boy but what did they learn they learned that the race is not given to the swift nor the strong but to those and to those that have titles and position but to the one who endures to the end they learned that to be with Jesus you've got to walk by faith and not by sight. They learned that walking with Jesus and participating in the suffering and sacrifice of Jesus are two different things. And when they finally began to sacrifice and suffer, they learned that because they didn't give up on God, God didn't give up on them. And Jesus honored them upon his ascension into heaven and we are no different as professing children of God in this the 21st century with a host of very blessings behind us and the promise of favor in our future that's ahead of us by now we should have learned the difference between being in church and being at church because if we allow people to be at church too long they'll stop coming to church altogether but in church it means to glorify God based on personality personal sacrificing and suffering for the sake of Jesus Christ being at church is glorifying God based on the suffering and sacrifice Sacrifices of somebody else. We should have learned by now how to use our gifts for the glory of God and the church benefits, especially where people are leaving the church all across the country.
victory in droves, not knowing in whom they believe. We should have learned the urgency of acting in the name of Jesus right now. There's too much work to be done. Too many people who are not saved and too many people who don't know Jesus in the pardoning of their sin. We've got to continue studying to show ourselves approved before God by re-educating ourselves and others about the importance of the church and the necessity of standing on the word of God. We've got to not only say we are saved, but we've also got to live, save lives, and to be the church that God has empowered us to be in the midst of a fallen world that has lost its way. Jesus is depending on us to deny ourselves, pick up a cross, and follow him. Our communities are depending on us, and the world is depending on us. So let us never give up on well-doing, for we shall reap a bountiful harvest if we faint not. But what did you learn? Well, I don't know about you, but I've learned that God is faithful even unto death. I've learned that little becomes much when placed in the master's hand. And I've learned that when I can't do it, Jesus will work it out if I let him. But what have you learned? The doors of the church are open. What have they learned and what have we learned? They walked with Jesus three years and up until the time of his crucifixion they were still shucking and jiving hiding, ducking, afraid when they were walking with the one who had all power in his hand. Many of us come to church week in and week out. And the question becomes, what have we learned from spending time with Jesus in these pews? If you're here and you want to learn more about Jesus, if you're here and you want to give your heart to God, we're going to ask that you Thank it, not robbery, to give us a call if you need prayer or you want to join the church. 402-455-1000, option three. And as you ponder your decision, our praise team will lead us in a song of invitation.
we hope that you've made a declaration and a decision to learn something about Jesus here at the Salem Baptist Church. And if you're here in the sanctuary as you, in, as you leave worship on today, there'll be someone outside, the deacons will be outside to receive your information that you may be uh, brought into the life of the church. Or if you're out there in our virtual sanctuary, please give us a call again at 402-455-1000, extension 3. There'll be somebody there to take your information and let you know what all you need to know about being a member of our church. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we have come on today to thank you for transfiguring before our very eyes, to show us your divinity in the midst of our humanity, and to let us know that when we walk with you, that everything will be all right as long as we learn while we walk. And now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before an all-wise God with exceeding great joy to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, dominion, and power now, henceforth, and forevermore. Let us all say together, amen, amen, and amen. Please be seated, and the ushers will escort you from the sanctuary. Thank you. 